If you don't like what we tell you to believe in, we'll kill you. Alright, this isn't funny. It was why did McNabb disappear from my screen? I don't know. Used a minute ago. I'm still here. I know, I see you on Skype, I don't see you in our What has OBS done now? <laughs> Alright, that's that one's Mike. <laughs> this is my new favorite Halloween movie. OBS. It's like memoirs of an invisible troll, like where is Alex? <laughs> he just <laughs> Seriously, I, I flipped I flipped from this screen Aurora to that Robius. screen. Or something like that. It's eating its own live stream. It's eating its own Ethernet wire. This is this is usually it's eating its own Cat Five cable from the like in a circle. <laughs> this is Aurora usually Aurora the screen Robius. where Alex's head is gigantic and in the middle of the frame that I always click on by accident. I don't know why I keep it in. I, I, I can see him up there. It's at the a nice, top of the Skype a nice all right, maybe he's just—he's not—he's not in the TV screen up there. He's not in the monitor. He's not uh, like the 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 public. It's crazy. I don't know. I'm on. I'm on it. my screen. I see myself. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let me. Uh, I'm gonna mm-hmm. remove this. We're gonna fix this on the air since this fucking problem happened. It happened literally as soon as the as soon as the show started. Yeah, it was five minutes the- ago. The technical the technical difficulties are coming from inside the house. <laughs> Where was I? This? Yes. <laughs> It's a Halloween. It's a spooky Halloween happening. This yeah. Place. Is this Opius in the room with oh, us now? And now Mike's gone. Ah, the Opius got Mike. Yeah, you got me too. So we're just ghosts now. <laughs> Don't tell Shane about that. Yeah. All right. You guys do a podcast. I'll try to fix Opius. All right. Well, well, yeah, let's do a podcast about Twitter. That's okay. crazy. Are we, Boy, are we I, doing... I really am glad that I, oh, I created oh, a oh, new Twitter account. Ah! What happened? And we got multiple mics. Yeah, so I'm just going to disregard this on the screen. It's crisis on multiple mics. <laughs> Was it crisis on infinite earths? Is that the yeah, one? Cri- yeah, crisis okay. on. All right, we have one mic. One love, okay. one mic. Let's get together and gas the kites. Hey, not bad. I'm so, sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean Twitter, to leave things like, I don't mean to leave things like out. that on the table. That's, that was cruel. I wouldn't want anyone to give it. Oh, oh give, right. Well, I don't want to give we'll, any, we'll the impression that I was later. that I was planning. I was going to keep going with tw- the Twitter thing, but oh, yeah, right. we're leaving that. We'll leave that on the table for later on. All right. The Twitter thing, you know, I wasn't particularly enthusiastic about it um, <clears throat> because I saw that uh, Jews had started to acquiesce to this, and there were even Jews that were supportive of it. And now we see that Elon Musk is tweeting out. That some guy Yoel ah! Roth, oh there, there he is. Yoel Roth is now is still like the the trust and safety guy or whatever. Okay. So I can't trust that I'll be safe on Twitter with Yoel Roth in charge of of trust and safety because then <laughs> obviously, and additionally why, why, why when did when he put Eli Roth in charge of uh, trust <laughs> and safety, that would have been a much better choice. Yeah. 
don't know, but apparently people are saying Yol Roth is not just Jewish, but but gay. I didn't, uh, I didn't look into it, it too much. He's gay, already. and he's extremely leftist. He's one of these leftist kikes. So uh, then there's no actual, there's not going to actually be any change. And everything Elon Musk says, uh, like, makes my confidence that there will be any changes um, even less. Last I saw, he was like, oh, so that thing where you get your account back, yeah, that's, uh, that's a work in progress. Uh, we don't really know how we're going to implement that yet. Um, just uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted. Yeah, he's not going to do it. He's just not going to do it. And And additionally... Now, if he does make the change where he makes blue checks pay for their blue check, that will be funny. Yeah. But it won't actually do anything about free speech because it would be hilarious for all these blue check people to have to pay every month $15 to keep the blue check. They're really mad about that. I mean, and that's should. funny. It's, it's a type of class division anyway, so we should make right. it explicit. Like, fuck it. Raise right. the price. Create more types of checks. Make, I would say pay, like, pay like $1,000. I would, I would say make them pay depending on how many followers they have. Like if you have a blue check with like a million followers, you have to pay like a thousand dollars a month or something like that. Like you should make it be a lot. And, um, and, and the more famous you are, the more you have to pay for that blue check. Create like a purple check, just different levels, different tiers of yes. check. I also think there should be a specific journalist thing that would be maybe like upside down pink triangle or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. Something like that. Anything is on the table for that. But, you know, but uh, I just think, you know, it should be some unique marker specifically for journalists that they would have to uh, kind of a bad. So, so you know who you're talking to. You need to be able to know who you're talking to um, and know what they are. They're not just a blue check. They're a journalist. Oh, OK. But yeah, so yesterday I was I was about to DM Jazz Hands and just ask him how things were going on Twitter, and the yes. very first post I saw was like, "Well, I've been banned." I'm like, oh. yes, and I don't believe he was posting no bad language. Like he wasn't using slurs; he was just posting the kinds of stuff he would be posting. Hmm. And uh, so this is the thing: it's sort of like, um, and additionally, I know that there was like basically a brigade of people that went on there and were saying nigger and such. And that's funny, but you wonder, like, were those people entirely – was that entirely, like, our people or were there fake people doing it? I'm sure there were fake people doing it. I mean, I'm sure there's all kinds of, of fucking fake shit going on. Yeah. But the thing is it would be so easy if you just – I would be fine with the idea that you have to um, show your face and verify who you are because I'm willing to do that. And a number of people are willing to do that. A lot of people are willing to do that nowadays. Um. And and still say these things. I mean, I, I and, think at this uh, point, pretty much everybody who is publicly speaking is doxed, right? For the most part. Not everybody. Dude, the, but. Doxing is losing. Um, well, here's the thing. They, they have to be they have to take the doxing to like new heights rather than it be like Antifa. No one cares about anymore. So if Antifa doxes you, you you're, nothing is going to happen to you. Your employer will probably ignore it. Or if they reach out to your employer. Um, and they don't just hang up on them if they actually listen to them or something like that. One, they can't actually organize a like calling campaigns. Like they can't actually get people to do this anymore. Nobody will do it. So now they're just using the government. They've they've gone from using Antifa to just having like if they really want to get you, uh, they'll just like, you know, it, it, they're not. They're just using the FBI. They're not yep. using it. Antifa is not useful to them anymore. They can't even get somebody fired with Antifa anymore. 
So, uh, yeah. So now, yeah. They, now they, they say that they'll have like the FBI agents that are trying to get you to talk to them will like go to your job. It's, it's, like it's, it's interesting. The social outrage component. Oh, hey, Dwayne. Hi, Show here. Are you listening to a free fed episode of the Daily Shower? You need a small personal loan so you can afford a paywall subscription? I may be able to help you out. For the very low price of just $10 a month, you can listen to Mike finish his talking points without annoying promotional bits like this one. Log on to the right stuff.be slash paywall and pick the payment option at best social white man's agency level. E-checks, money order by mail, or cryptocurrency. Support PRS's efforts in shutting down years like me. That seems to have disintegrated. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with what happened in 2020. Yes. The public is the, just fucking tired of these shenanigans. The 2020, like, the 2020 shit made people fed up with racism stuff. Like, with, with the idea of being on board with this anti-racist crusade. Yeah. Additionally, additionally the, um, the workplace environment, since COVID and everything where it's harder to find help for businesses – has also played a, played a factor where your your job isn't going to want to fire you if you're doing a good job and if you're like a necessary part of the of the the workplace, it's going to be hard to replace you. Um, so they're not going to want to do it for something like just because Antifa, which can't really muster any outrage anymore and doesn't really get any engagement anymore. If you look at their Twitter accounts, you not you see like you know what she will maybe five for or six you? people click like. <clears throat> People get fired for assaulting your boss. A buddy of mine was telling me that the two black girls at his work just got fired because they attacked the owner of the place that he's at. Well, that's that seems fair to me. I feel like that that seems like that's probably reasonable. <clears throat> no one. Had I to mean, I'm usually pro worker, but in this case, I'm like, yeah, that seems <laughs> that seems reasonable. If you attack the if you attack your boss, I can imagine that you that would be a terminating <laughs> a job terminating event. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it seems that the desperation in terms of hiring workers is a result of people having having well, they got to hire niggers now. Yeah, niggers. It's like you know, blacks always would complain they were like the the last hired, first fired, and it's like I'm sure that in an, an actual market environment that's true, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not true in like the the phony environment of America. Like I should bring up that 538 thing on on affirmative action. Yeah. Because I want to read some of that language because they're probably going to apparently going to overturn affirmative action, even though um, even though um, the colleges, the main big colleges have already basically said, we don't care. We will we will discriminate against white people no matter what, as they've effectively said. I saw some of really the dialogue on thing. that. For, it was like Clarence Thomas was like, what even mm-hmm. is diversity? What does that mean? People just sort of <laughs> throw this word around. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, actually, I read some of that stuff. I'll put the article. He had some interesting comments that were definitely not. So here's the 538 article. Um, it says the Supreme Court <coughs> could overturn another major precedent. This time, Americans might agree. Running with the idea that Americans in the majority did not agree with the Roe decision, which is something, you know, I don't really want to. I'm going to leave that on the table for now. I don't want to get into that debate right now. But it's interesting. It says the Supreme Court is poised to upend decades of precedent on affirmative action this Monday. The justice will hear two cases challenging race-conscious admissions policies at Harvard University and the University of North Carolina. The universities use race as one of many factors when deciding which applicants to accept, a practice that has been affirmed multiple times by the Supreme Court including in a 2003 case where justices ruled that ensuring racial diversity in higher education is important enough 
to justify the limited use of race in college admissions. Now, just months after the Supreme Court upended a decades-old precedent on abortion rights, the precedent on affirmative action is in peril. Uh, and then it basically admits that Americans don't like uh, affirmative action; that they're all they're against it. In the in like strong majorities are against it. Um, but they call it ambivalence. So listen to this. They say Americans' ambivalence about affirmative action is strong enough. It's a very interesting term for it. Ambivalence. I have strong ambivalence. I strong really ambivalence, right? Yeah. I don't care so hard right now. Listen, listen to this. It's strong enough that a small tweak in question wording can result in a very different result. Now, I don't think the tweak they're talking about is particularly small. It actually changes the entire thing. A Pew Research Center poll conducted in 2017 found that a sizable majority, 71% of Americans, said that affirmative action programs designed – to increase the number of black and minority students on college campuses are a good thing. Of course, this number might have changed over the past few years, but it suggests reminding respondents about the aims of affirmative action programs rather than telling them how they work, as the Washington Post Scholar Poll did, mm. may change the way people feel about the concept. So uh, a YouGov poll in April tested this theory and found that framing does matter. When respondents were asked whether they support or oppose an affirmative action program for higher education that increases the share of black and Hispanic students, there wasn't a clear consensus. 37% supported, 34 opposed, and 29% said they weren't sure. But a much larger majority, 68%, said that race should not be considered right. when evaluating a person's admission to college. And it's funny, they've been... Uh, they've been culturally fighting this fight to keep that framing out of... or. You know, for for a long time, we watched Tales from the Hood on the show Monday when you weren't here, mm -hmm. Mike. And yeah. one of the stories in that was they have Corbin Burnson is basically playing David a David Duke yeah, yeah, character, yeah. Metzger Duke or whatever. Yeah, it's like Duke, Duke Metger. They they forgot the Z. It's Duke Metger, and he they open up with a campaign commercial of his where he talks specifically about affirmative action means every you know every high every new hire of color means that a white person is not getting a job because of the color of his skin. And it's like they and they put those words in the mouth of somebody who's supposed to be a KKK person that you hate that's like racist right, living in a plantation right. house and and calling little little black dolls Even like though Nicholas. it's just literally true. It's literally true, but they've been putting that in yeah. the mouths of like people you're supposed to hate for right. decades. And and here you are, it's like when you take that framing away from them, it's like people are like, "Wait, what?" People yeah. people believe the bullshit. That's the, they don't what they yeah. what good-hearted American conservatives don't understand is like there's no anti-racism. Right. When you like, like the they don't is, they will not allow like if you allow meritocracy you end up with whites everywhere because it's right. you know that's just right. how it is. So as it turns out that they actually polled on whether or not people would support banning <sighs> like legally banning the use of race in college admissions and like 65% of people say they would support that. Um, and then, and like I said, they also found that when they, when they do the cost free, like we're just going to increase the number of blacks and Hispanics, people are like, okay. But when you say we're going to increase the number of blacks and Hispanics by, in, by necessarily reducing the number of whites and Asians, then it flips to the same percentage that said they liked it. Now say they're against it. So they, they have to, t and that's why like, it's really interesting that 538 actually uses the phrasing telling you can you can get you can get consensus by telling people the goal without telling them how it works but when you tell them how it works 
Now people are against it. That's interesting. So in other words, what you're saying is lie to people by omission. Don't tell them the truth. Just say you can do something good and it won't cost you anything. But as soon as you say, here's you can do something or you can do something that is characterized as good and it won't cost you anything. Of course, I like that 30. I like that like even so 30 percent or so of people still say it's bad to increase the number of blacks. That's kind of funny. Generally, it's like they still don't think that's a good thing. Like, I don't support that in any in any case, even if it costs nothing. I still don't want to increase the number of blacks. What what, what if you had a crime initiative and you said, I'm going to reduce crime by us? about 40% over the next two years. Don't worry about how I'm going to do it. Exactly. What? It, yeah, right. That's a good point. You could probably get people, if you're like, there's a cost-free way we can reduce crime. It'll just go down. Don't worry about how I'm going to do it. Just, I'm um, just going to just do it. And we're going to talk about the goals. We're not going to tell you how. And it turns out that we do it by putting black men in prison. I mean, for a long time. Anything is on the table here when it comes yeah, to reducing crime. we're leaving anything on the table. <laughs> Don't worry about how we're going to do it. It's a good thing to accomplish, right? Yeah. That is sort of funny. Except, how, like, except I guarantee you libtards would be like, now wait a minute. Fuck, did I miss a table joke when I was, damn. You did. You, you missed Shit. the joke. about You left it on the table, but... um. We're talking so, about yeah. crime reduction strategies where anything could be on the table. and you just Yes. Well, as far as the poll would be concerned, anything would be on the table because we're not informing people of the cost, how so. we are going to reduce crime. We're not mm. going to say we're going to do it. Mm. We don't need to tell you how. That is sort of funny because immediately it's kind of interesting how the the, the idea of like lying to people um, – in, in favor of what they want to do is sort of presented as like the, a virtuous thing to do or the right thing to do. But you know that if somebody was saying like, yeah, we're going to cut down on crime, but don't worry how we're going to do it. They would immediately be very, very suspicious and think this person was, you know, lying with an agenda. Hmm. But it is interesting that when this is pretty annoying, huh? all this can go away, you bought a paywall, right? Stuff is slash paywall. You can use crypto, e-checks, mail in a money order, or even use your credit card on Sven's Odyssey channel. The link will be below in the show notes. That's the right stuff. Slash paywall. When the actual facts about affirmative action, because it, think about it, logically, affirmative action must decrease white students. Because for any yeah. class year in a college, you have a certain number of seats. You yeah. don't get to just add more mm-hmm. and, and put blacks in them. No, there's a certain number that that the college is going to accept, objectively so. It also like it is literally it also, for any given year it is a zero sum game for that year at least. It also begs the so question, that, like, are there black students that aren't getting into this college right now because they're black? And it's like I would say, you know, yes, but not in the way that you think. It's like because they're black, they're not qualified. Their achievement is so low that they still just can't possibly yeah. even if lowering the standards, we can't we can't we can't even right. uh consider them because they're just their achievement is just too low. Yeah. So yes, there are blacks there's plenty of blacks that don't go to college at all because many blacks drop out of high school and don't even get a GED and they can't they can't lower standards enough even for that. Like they, that would be to say, like, you know, I know they were doing they were trying to do it for the army for a little while. Like you don't even need to have a GED. But I think that got overturned because they were like, that's that's absurd. Um, But, yeah, like they can't they can't pause. There's only a certain amount they can lower standards. And um, right now, as you're saying at Harvard, you know, non-Jewish whites, non-Jewish and non-Hispanic white people are less than 10% of the student body. 
This is in a country where where such people make up sixty some odd percent of the population, and this is like and, a and this is like a made up racist trope that a racist would make up when he it's just because he hates black people. It okay. has nothing. It's not. Right. It's not like really Duke black Met- people. Nuke Be- Duke Becker. I almost said nuke. Like nuke Dukem. <laughs> nuke Dukem Becker. He would tell you that like if you pursue this policy, like ten percent of the student body is going to be white, and that's it. Oh, I wouldn't even say that. You're just a KKK racist. You like, I don't even think Duke Maker was people. that woke on it. Yeah. I don't think he even understood it that much because because he didn't mention Jews in the movie. No, not that's true. He did not. because they didn't want that to become a you know they didn't want to they didn't want to have that conversation on the table. Yeah, we don't want to open um, up that one. Yeah, that's a new that's a whole new can. Oh, man, you, yeah, because that's the thing is black people be watching that movie and then they get to the part where they start talking about the Jews and they go, oh, you know, he's right. That's right. A good point. Right, right, yeah. Because I mean, at this point, at this point, it's pretty impossible for Jews to. Uh, I mean, that's the one thing Kanye West did is he made it very impossible for them to deny <laughs> that they basically control all this shit. Because all you had to do the simple thought experiment: what if he said it about white people? Well, you don't even have to do a thought experiment because people have been saying this. Rappers have been saying similar things to what Kanye West is saying about Jews about whites about mm-hmm. how they run the rap industry and they rip off the blacks and such that they like I saw, rap I saw a clip that. going never around in trouble for it and it was like uh, a jewish comedian joking about this like whoa guys I need to back off on that <laughs> proving them right here <laughs> i saw that clip too he said can you relax it's funny because the the assumption of that comedian's joke was that <laughs> jews are in fact controlling all of these all of these structures all these uh, institutions, Jews are in control of them. <coughs> so, yeah, I had to take another lozenge here. <sighs> what, what have you got? Is it the COVID? No, it's just a cough. I don't feel sick. I just have a cough. And for whatever reason, I've been coughing like a crazy person for two weeks. Hmm. And I get that thing where you get that one spot in your – you ever get this? You get that one spot in your throat that starts to tickle? Yeah. And you start coughing and it doesn't help and drink water. And it doesn't help. You just got to like wait for it to subside. Um, at best, you can maybe throw some of that. Um, you ever like rub the back of your tongue against your throat? Like, yeah, like yeah, to try to like yeah. scratch it. doesn't it. do anything. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> at best, you can use that chloroseptic crap and like spray, try and hit it, you know, hit that exact spot. Yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. This is a disaster. How are, you, how are you supposed to do the show when he's like this? It's terrible. There's always challenges when we do this show. Tra- every it's time. tragic. We got so, OBS fucking with us. We got uh, Captain Coughs yeah, a lot over that, here. That OBS thing was weird. You guys just like disappeared from... I don't know. I fixed it now. It's like there's a new Avatar movie tea. coming out. Why is there a new Avatar yeah, Jamie, movie coming out? Jamie should just be like making you tea regularly. Because like, you're about to talk for three hours and make a podcast. You should just be like... It should be like a never-ending just uh, yeah, supply of tea coming up. Like it, when the tea starts to get room temperature, yeah. like there should be another cup. I don't know where she thinks she, you know, sort of being trying to be like the web mistress. I'll, I'll yell for it. Well, she, I can't yell. She thinks sure. she's the web mistress of the Holocaust now. It's like I understand. Like that's a, oh, she's constantly working on that website. Well, she needs yeah. to be constantly working on a a a, a, a pot of tea. A cup my, of tea. Yeah, for my she man over here. Yeah. Yeah, I'll 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 get her to do it. Yeah, start hollering. <laughs> that's good unfortunately i wasn't just, paying attention for a second there he so just, I was he just muted himself phone. and was yelling off screen yeah that's great 
What are you? Yeah. What were you guys talking about a second ago? I was. I was. Uh, I was on my phone because I'm an idiot. We were still talking about affirmative action. Oh, good, and, good, good. And crime. And I love affirmative leaving action. Leaving things on the table and oh, um, and how you know Duke Metger managed to not talk was like managed to cuck on the Jewish yeah, question. Well, Jews just, it just it just never came up. You know, mm-hmm. that part just never came up. I've got the comments from Thomas Clarence on this. Thomas Clarence. Clarence. Clarence Thomas. 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 Was that like is, is that like his superhero like his secret identity? He's like I'm yeah, Thomas well, Clarence. We, we, we watched uh, Tales from the Hood the other day, so now I've got yeah. these nigger names confused. That sounds like a nigger name. Thomas Clarence. There is a Clarence in that movie. Well, any, oh, yeah. any time you have Clarence, Clarence is just a nigger name. Clarence is a nigger name. first or last is a nigger name. Clarence, 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 like, Clarence. It's like nigger nigger, niggers are like if we give our son the name of a nerd, maybe he won't go yeah. be a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll be as one of educated lane niggas. Clarence. Like, no, Clarence a gangbanger, too. Yeah, you turn your, 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 your kid into an educated the, lane nigga. He was the angel in uh, the, the fucking Christmas movie. Um, oh. I can't well, it was a white guy. You're talking about yeah, it's, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful life. life. Yeah. He was, well, it's a white man. Yeah. Look, the niggers, you know, it's different. I, I'm niggers. looking forward to watching that this year. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Total, third, right, total third position national socialist movie. I love it. At the, at Boy, the, it's a wonderful life. Well, yeah. That the uh, libertarians and conservatives tell you is a socialist communist movie about right. business like bad, it. property bad. Beep, 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 beep. Ryan Dawson's least it's favorite a uh, Christmas Duganist movie. movie. The Duganist yeah, movie. Yeah, it is. That actually is a Duganist movie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he wrote see, the script. Well, Check no, Duganist. Well, no. D- how could it be a Duganist movie? It has nothing to do with like COVID conspiracies and not wearing your mask and not getting the vaccine as a political identity. That's what that's what Dugan does. He just does it in Eurasia. And his daughter doesn't get blown up in the movie either. Ah, I forgot about that. Yeah. That actually was a crime. That actually was a criminal act. I don't have to be a Duganist to say so. That was a crime to murder that guy's daughter. That was mm. not right. Exactly. Nobody deserves that. All right. Let's see. But what, it also shows you that let's the see, Ukrainians let's see what, uh, buy Clarence their own Williams stupid shit. To say. Uh, Justice Thomas began the questioning with an open-ended question about the real meaning of diversity. I don't have a clue what it means, said Thomas, adding, it seems to mean everything for everyone. The skeptical Thomas coming on his view of the purpose of college. When a parent sends a kid to college, they don't necessarily send them there to have fun or feel good or anything like that. They send them to learn physics or chemistry or whatever they're studying, Thomas continued, before asking what educational benefits. Benefits are delivered by diversity initiatives. That was actually kind of good. I found another that's, article. Where, that's excellent. Yeah, no, I mean, he so, goes into that. Gotta give him a little like, credit for that one. This, and this, then you start, this you start me. getting like these fucking just so stories about, well, diversity is good because reasons. Yeah, they can't well, actually tell you what, t- the, what, the, what, the, what the actual concrete benefits of this are, or or ju- non-concrete benefits, just the abstract benefits. Justice Thomas taking these like positions that are like to the right of Duke Mecker. Duke Mecker. <laughs> yeah, it makes me wonder, like Clarence Thomas, was he himself the manifestation of the conservative trying to concoct a black person that could do the anti 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 whiteness for them? Because a white person can't do it, or did Clarence Thomas doing so doing that so well give them the idea that they should do this every time? Like it's it's, it's like which came first, like the nigger or the egg? It's like did they get the idea from Clarence Thomas, or did they create Clarence Thomas because they already had that idea? It's like we're not racist; we have Clarence Thomas fighting affirmative action. 
We're not racist. We have, I think we have Clarence Chinese, Thomas we have is basically Chinese, we have Chinese people suing to, Harvard. You know what I mean? It's like it's just funny, like that 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 op or not. Op, I think like that strategy like goes back that have far. Somebody that's not black say these. Things. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they, you couldn't have. I also think you couldn't. I think I think the reason they needed to get here's 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 sort of a novelty take. Yeah, this is a this is a just so story. Okay. I have no evidence of this. So I could be lying. That's probably true. Um, that if you think about it. Uh, they needed to. They wanted to have somebody to represent at least this this opinion somewhere, so people with these type of opinions don't feel like they're completely locked out of the political process. At least as of when he joined the Supreme Court, I believe it was in the nineties. Um, so he's been there a while. You know what my conspiracy theory is? Well, let me Clarence, finish mine first. Clar- Clarence Thomas is not the real Clarence Thomas. Quantavius killed Clarence Thomas, took his place because all these niggers look alike. That's how it's possible. But I also think that so, for example, if you want somebody to say what actually is the educational benefit of diversity, when you are dealing with the kind of white people that are going to have made it to that level of attainment where they are going to be even considered as Supreme Court justice, a Jewish person isn't going to say it, period. Uh, And we have like two Jews on the court now, I think. Right? I think there's two. There's only one left. I think there's two. Or maybe there's only one left now, right? At one point there was four. But um but the white people Sonia Sotomayor is not going to say it. Elena Kagan is not going to say it. I think she might be the only Jew left because Breyer left. Um and the other whites aren't gonna say something like that. They just aren't. If you're white and you no matter what, if you're conservative, if you're Amy Coney Barrett, if you're Brett Kavanaugh, if you're Gorsuch, it doesn't matter. Like certainly Roberts isn't gonna say something like that. Can you imagine any of these white people that had reached that level of attainment to yeah. actually be on Supreme Court saying, what are the educational benefits of diversity? They simply wouldn't. They're too brainwashed or they're too bought in yeah. to the system that they, they, they exploited to get there. So a black guy literally is the only one that could say it. Now, right. there are plenty of white people that will say that, but none of them will have made it through the yeah. screening process. They're not going to get on the Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> to be at the Supreme Court level, right? You wouldn't even be at a district court level if you're we've a white a, person willing to say that. We've got some more funny stuff going on here. Uh, Samuel Alito, Battle Angel, he weighs in on this. Battle okay. Angel Alito? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he starts doing the one-drop rule thing. He's like, let's say that this story has one grandparent falls into that class. What about one great-grandparent? Uh Family lore says we have an ancestor that is an American Indian. Uh, can I identify as an American Indian? Like he starts going down the weeds. Uh, on is, that. is he like subtweeting Elizabeth Warren with that one? It sounds like it. It's, it's pretty funny. But well, the funny it, thing is, they, is those kinds of something. They say Park responded that anyone making such a claim would likely not be telling the truth, but the school relies on self-reporting for all demographic right. facts. Right. Well, so how would you know, right? Did how it? would you know? So there you go. Test? You should always you should always put nigger down for your. Oh, never say you're white. Like I, we've been yeah. saying this for a while to people. Like never never say you're white. Put other or don't put anything, or something like that. But when you say you're white, you're on on any government and, form, you're asking to be excluded and, from something. And they're not a re- not not really allowed to pretend that it's absurd that somebody would do that because. We were talking they about, do it. Well, you know, we were talking about this one day, Mike. Didn't Louis was it Louis Thoreau, that documentarian asshole? Didn't he famously ask some like South African? Yeah, uh, Eugene Terra Blanc. Yeah, asked him like, can, so can like a black? Yes, and why, why why blacks can't be boer? Can a black guy be a boer? And he was just like, didn't know it. Like, 
So it's yeah. No, he was he immediately reacted with fury. He was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, no, he he let he he basically let Louis Thoreau have a piece of his mind. Like he he went he went pretty hard at him for that shit. He was like, "Absolutely not." But what yeah. would make like so, what but makes, that's because that what, was Eugene Tara Blanche who was basically. A but Nazi. what makes a, what makes a person even wonder such a question? Can a black be a boer? It's like, what do you think this whole conflict is? It's an ethnic conflict. Yeah. But it's like, well, it's funny, can't, you Louis, just Louis be, can't you just be any ethnicity you want to be because it's all fake? It's like, no, Louis, it's real. Louis Thoreau is actually one of those libtards who's bought in on anti-racism enough that he he will, like, criticize blacks for being, like, against white people. Like, you know, not nearly as hard as he would go at white. I was going to say, I'm holding my breath. Blacks, but he will go to black nationalists and be like, do you hate me for my white skin? Well, black, and ma- shit like black, that. black nationalists aren't the fucking issue. Blacks don't, blacks don't hate you for the color of your skin. Know, blacks are just criminal assholes, and they, they just don't have any respect for life, including their own, and they kill white people, and then our system lets them get away with it. That's the issue, right. Louis Thoreau. Yeah, I mean, there oh, are blacks faggot. that hate white people just for being white, and there are black people that prey on white people because they see them as easy targets and also see... The mode black is just a white person killer. It has nothing to do with hatred. Yeah. They're just... They just do that. They're just yeah. fucking bad human beings. They're faulty. Right. So, I mean, it's, but it's like you could give all the rational reasons in the world for discrimination against blacks. Hmm. And, and like they won't. Faulty. I think that they're evolved for a very specific environment. Well, they're just, look, they are what they are. I mean, we could. Grand Theft Auto, like the virtual world. (laughs) Like, is that what they're evolved for? Like GTA? It's it's kind of pointless. I mean, as Alex says, a typical nihilist is not putting a value judgment on it. He's just saying they are like this. So the rational thing to do would be to avoid. I look at them like I look like Edward Wildlife. You know, I just observe their patterns of behavior. I don't think of them as human. I think it's. Well, you know, what's funny is a lot of white people do this, but they won't confess to it. Like, they confess to it. When I see a black, I see see something like They are more worried about. they're, they are actually considered, and I know that white people are like this because I can see it in their body language and I can see it in their Christy. behavior, particularly when blacks start acting erratically. It makes white people very nervous because white people like to, like when people act predictably. They want you to act predictably in public. They don't like disturbances. They don't like it when people are acting out of turn or acting in a yep. way that is not something that normal people act in public, not, not acting courteously in public. or – <laughs> or at least like or or at least in such a way that you are confident this person won't have a violent outburst at any moment, right? Uh it does white people get nervous. They like decorum. They like when people are not not to say that it's just like it's like some kind of tight ass thing, but it's like Hey everybody, You expect certain kind of behavior in public. Blacks break that contract all the yeah. time. Yep. <clears throat> I had to mute again. <laughs> yeah, that's they they break all kinds of standards, so we just lower them, basically, mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. And now it's being things are being lowered maliciously with like the bail project. It's kind of like listeners want to be confident. I'm not going to have a coughing fit at any moment, and they can't be confident of that. It makes them nervous. Where's your fucking tea? Where is she? Oh, oh! It's oh, a green. Oh, no. It's an invisible green mug. Oh God, we're gonna lose them, guys. This is it's still a little bit too hot. I gotta wait a second. Why don't, why don't you get her to make you some artisanal? Uh, why can't she, Why can't she make you tea that's the right temperature? What the hell is wrong with her? She can. She can. She can be a webmistress, but she can't make a cup of tea. Son of a bitch. You're muted. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I muted because oh, I was okay. coughing. I didn't know when I was gonna. It's It's really frustrating because it's the thing where like. 
even drinking doesn't always solve it. It's just that little that little twinge, like right here. It's like ah. Oh. That's why you gotta get some schnapps. Ooh, mm. that's a good idea. I ran out of coffee. <clears throat> now I have the, no reason the, to the, raise my mug. I've been drinking red wine. <laughs> Then, then, then he he won't have the cough to be too intoxicated to do the show. That's not. I've never been too intoxicated to do a show. We we, we should do it like the old days. Just get sloppy ass drunk on the air and just slur our words into the mic for like three hours. I could do that. <clears throat> I don't I like. I, I could see the look on Sven's face. He's thinking about the the three day hangover that that would entail. I just don't want to get drunk anymore. I remember we used to literally drink in the afternoons doing the show and just be like plastered by like four o'clock oh right we would sit here and drink whiskey and like my wife would make 10 bloody marys and shit oh my Mm. god that was those were fun that was bad i can't drink bloody marys anymore i literally destroyed my stomach oh yeah your esophagus just like (laughs) fucking melted away i just can't do it like it gave me too much uh acid reflux let me tell you bloody mary so we were at our friend's saturday he gave me i didn't ask for it he gave me one little glass of whiskey but you know not maybe two Mm -hmm. fingers of whiskey not even and I had like some of that. Uh, I was eating that balaclava, the dessert there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, the balaclava. Yeah, baklava. Yeah, the baklava. Yeah, my, my wife loves like a stuff. Greek yeah. pastry. Yeah. And I had a piece of the. I had a piece of that stromboli, and all night long, I just kept waking up with indigestion. It was horrible. Like I just can't mm-hmm. consume things that are nice anymore. I have I to eat like saltine crackers. It's all nuts. Oh yeah, it was good though. But man, like, yeah. just like I think if I. It's the stromboli and the whiskeys what did it. Like having the greasy pepperon and like something as delicious as a nice little glass of scotch is just like enough to like I can't. So you weren't drinking that day? I had some beer. I can just still drink beer. I can do okay with beer. Like once a week I'll drink beer. But if I have whiskey, like I just, my body just just revolts. I was drinking a whole day. I can't have more than two beers that are messing my stomach. I can't have more than two beers without feeling all full and bloated. Like I, yeah, I was it's gonna say, not like, fun for me. Having like, more than two like, beers doesn't mess with my stomach. It just makes it larger. Yeah. It makes it more stick funny. Yeah, no, it's just not pleasant. <laughs> it's funny because I never understood when I was a kid the why they would do like the less filling thing. Yeah. Like why that was even a consideration because I was like, I'll smack back a six-pack, no problem. When I was like 18, 20, I forgot about it. <laughs> right? Like you didn't ever consider this. But now when I'm old and I'm like, oh, yeah, I oh. have two beer and I'm like, Ooh. I had a pint of Oktoberfest. I'm now done for the week. Yeah. That's why I don't drink beer. That's why I just drink I love wine, beer. Or, or wine or liquor. I love a good beer. I like scotch too, but I can't I, I can't have every time I have hard alcohol now I just get I get such indigestion. Scotch just tastes like as I said, it just tastes like burnt hair to me. I used to drink it all the time, but I can't I can't stomach it anymore. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I just drink wine. I mostly drink wine these days if I'm gonna drink anything. God he's just turned into a wine mom. Yes, I am. I hope I it's boxed wine. I literally have a box of wine that's why, in my room right that's, now. That's why it's so grouchy all the time. What? I'm, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've I'm decided that I'm like so. I'm like so not grouchy. I'm friendly all the time. I've decided. Even, the, even when I'm sick, I'm still being nice to people. I've also decided. That's how nice I cut, am. I'm going to cut down on cigars too because in Biden's America, inflation's too high. It's too expensive. Oh my God. I'm moving over. I'm going to smoke a pipe, and then once in a while have a cigar. Okay. Oh, I love the smell of pipe smoke. Can, how doesn't pipe tobacco like? You got to make sure you keep it fresh, though, right? It smells so good. I don't know how it you does do smell that. Good. It smells I, like caramel. I know that like the, the cigar, well, cigars you have to keep moistened. You have to keep them in a yeah. humidor. I don't. From what my friend told me about pipe tobacco, he just keeps it in the in the can and it's fine. Okay. I don't know. I just ordered some. I probably ordered enough pipe tobacco to smoke for a year, so I have to. Uh, 
But like that was like, but like a year's worth of. But then the pipe, the pipe also like gives you all kinds of other hobby things you can do. Like mm. you can clean, you have to clean it, and like you know, yeah. keep it in. You know, you change the screens and filters and whatnot. If you if you have filters or you have screens, it's like little I'm all not like, smoking about, weed things like that. You know what you should do is get a smoking <laughs> jacket. I, I was watching. I have Fright a smoking night. jacket. I got it for my fortieth. Oh, you do? Bir- I got one for my fortieth birthday. It's hanging over there. I just I always forget cool. to wear it. I wore it on one of those one of those streams we did where we like in the old house where we sat there and just got drunk around the holidays. I was wearing it, I think. Yeah, that one Christmas stream where like I was so drunk that I lost half the episode by the end. Like we lost the hour one. We only posted hour like sloppy hour two is there, but hour one was missing. I think it was. Oh, right, we got to we, we do that this year. That no, sounds I'm, like an amazing time. I'm not getting drunk on camera anymore. Not doing it. No, yeah, it's a bad idea. I don't I mean, want to get drunk at all anymore. Honestly, I just want to enjoy some like alcohol. I don't get drunk. I just I get yeah. I just drink and don't get drunk. I guess I can't nice not yeah. to do that. No, Maybe no, just no, go, I'll, I'll, just, to that. I'll just quit Stromboli. <sighs> anyway. Crisp. I'll have a cold. So turkey, are we gonna winter, do winter weather Holocaust stuff? Yeah. Or no? today. Today. Cold turkey. We just jumped cold. the oh. ability to do spooky Holocaust. I was trying to do or? a brilliant pun. You keep it's like a cold. We are doing Holocaust content. Cold turkey Stromboli. That's my joke. Oh, quit Stromboli, cold turkey. Boom. Show title, cold turkey Stromboli. Reference to prepping the car. Well, I have car Holocaust. As I stutter. Yeah, we have Holocaust. But, do we, stuff. but do we want to save that for the second hour or we want to start now? I guess might as well start do now. We'll, do, we'll just fill it up. Well, we, we're only 40 minutes in. Let's oh, just do it. Do... Let's start. Okay. We're supposed to be okay. the whole show. We shortchanged right. the audience. All right. Well, okay. All right. One second. Hold on one second. Do they have any spooky backgrounds? I don't do I, I don't even feel like doing that. It's November. It hasn't even, even queued up the spooky backgrounds. It's like it's November. Hey. It's November second. Why am I doing spooky backgrounds? It's uh, it's turkey time. That's the, that's, no, it's not. not it's quite. turkey time. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, so, uh, I mean, I can start. I have a, a spooky story. Um, right. that is on. If you want to see this for yourself, you can go to holocaust.claims, and there's some new posts there. There's new posts every day, and uh, the one is a couple posts down. It says Happy Halloween. Hmm. And it's it's a story from from Night, oh. Ali Weasel's spooky kids Halloween book Night. <laughs> it is now a classic. It, it's it should be a, it's on the shelf next to Goosebumps. What the hell just happened? Um, uh, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Right. Okay. No. So it's fault. on the shelf next to Goosebumps. Oh, this is pretty annoying. You want to hear my voice? You want to hear uh, Mike finish thought, huh? But uh, you can't because you don't have a subscription. You should go to writestuff.biz slash paywall. It is now classified as children's literature and fiction. Very good. This book is no longer classified as nonfiction. So, like I said, if you want to get night for the kids, you can put it on the shelf next to Goosebumps, and that's a, that's a good place for it. So, um, this Fair was presented as a true story in the 1960 release of Night. So, page we've 22. We've got a copy of that somewhere. I don't know if it's the same one that you have, though, because there's a ton of different editions, and they edited a lot of them. I know where it is. I'll be right back. I don't know if you do, because I know that I took the copy and burned it. (laughs) (laughs) I burned one of the copies of Night that we had. Why would you burn a copy of Night? Why wouldn't I burn it? I mean, you're getting rid of these amazing Halloween stories. Well, you can always, I mean, it's not like this book is in short supply. I mean, they print it like millions of copies. Of I always find when I start searching for this stuff, at first it's like, okay, I've done that one, I've done that one, and I'm digging and digging. And then and then I always stumble across some pure gold. You always find something new, yeah. Every year it's like, wow, that's a there, there is actually like an almost unending well of this stuff. <clears throat> so this is like, 
five pages, so I hope I won't have a coughing fit in the middle of uh, reading it. But I'll wait till Sven comes back before I start. I've got it right here in front of me. And uh, listeners, you can read along if you go to holocaust.claims and you look at the Halloween post. So I want to underline that they have used this kind of shit to get money out of governments. Yes. Like claims claims on something or other, uh, claims online, I I can't remember which site it was. They used this in a case to get money from the government, like from the German government. They had accounts of stuff involving Mingala, which were completely fantastical. I can't think of the right adjective to describe this stuff. It's it's just totally made up, and they got money out of a government with that. Yeah, I mean they've been doing that. I don't even know just how much. Imagine found it. You found it. I mean, okay. Th- this so, is like bad fan fiction. That is actually literally like the children's version because that's the same kind of binding that they have for books that you get in school. Let's you know, like that that kind of cheesy hardcover binding. Oh, yes. you know so, what? Oh man, this gives me such a great idea. Oh, oh man, I know, I know, I know what uh, mm. Antelope Hill Publishing should do. They should have a Halloween book that con- consists of these stories. Yeah, I don't think they really like doing Holocaust stuff, but we'll see. This is well, it's not, it's not Holocaust content; it's it's Halloween content. Mm. Yeah, that's true. It's so actually just preface, Halloween content. So the pre- <laughs> so here we go. Here so we the go. preface got, in, the preface in mind is 1986. The cover art 1982. So this it is could still be the later. same version though, because it looks it looks like the the pages of, that I'm going to be reading from are this are the pages. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, just hold like on. that. This edition contains the complete text of the original hardcover edition, edition, and then in bold caps it says, "Not one word has been omitted." I mean, these people are fucking notorious. That's liars. probably a lie because there's been so it's many probably a lie. To this book over the years, and they're not. It's not like they care about lying. It's not like this is something they're against. Yeah. It's not like they're opposed to it. Why do I vote? Oh. oh. So anyway, shall I read the story or no? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the story. Or do you want to? Okay. You what might want to get the spooky you page music 22? or not. You know, you don't have to. But anyway, no, I just, I'm, I'm starting on page 22. <clears throat> so those of you that have a copy of now, you can read along if you want to. Do we want to get the music going first? Because I can stall for a minute. Just go. Okay. okay. It's the a little sh- bit. It's long. It's five the whole, pages. The whole story. ship has sailed on the Halloween thing. Yeah, it kind of has. Oh, the come Hungarian, on, man. Look, we can still do it. Look, Mike got to try and get in the mood. Once I start reading the story, you're gonna you're gonna get into the spooky mood, though. So let me just do it. So, and having the scratchy voice might help or not. I don't know. <clears throat> the Hungarian lieutenant went among us with a basket and collected the last possessions from those who no longer wished to taste the bitterness of terror. There are eighty of you in this wagon," added the German officer. "If anyone is missing, you'll all be shot like dogs." They disappeared. The doors were closed. We were caught in a trap right up to our necks. The doors were nailed up. The way back was finally cut off. The world was a cattle wagon hermetically sealed. We had a woman with us named Madame Schachter. The the cattle cars weren't hermetically sealed. Why are they just throw this shit around like that? Anyway, I'm sorry. They nailed the doors closed? And they air airtight. That would be that would be more believable than the gas chambers. They would just suffocate the cattle. I think it's better to, to to do the story and then do the. All right, all right, go okay. ahead. I'm sorry. We'll I just I just get you know because that way we I'm don't gonna, break immersion. I'm going to take, take I'm going to take some notes then while we're doing. We want this. yeah, take notes because we want we want immersion. In I this. can't find what page you know, you're on. The read, the the listener wants to be immersed in in the spooky mm. story, so right. we can do spooky story criticism later. But remember, spooky we also story, story, story. We don't really do criticism. We just tell the stories. But anyway, um. 
We had a woman with us named Madame Schachter. She was about 50. Her 10-year-old son was with her, crouched in a corner. Her husband and two eldest sons had been deported with the first transport by mistake. The separation had completely broken her. I knew her well. A quiet woman with tense, burning eyes. She had often been to our house. Her husband, who was a pious man, spent his days and nights in study, and it was she who worked to support the family. Madame Schachter had gone out of her mind. On the first day of the journey, she had already began to moan and to keep asking why she had been separated from her family. As time went on, her cries grew hysterical. On the third night, while we slept, some of us sitting one against the other and some standing, a piercing cry split the silence. Fire! I can see fire! I can see fire! There was a moment's panic. Who was it who had cried out? It was Madame Schachter. Oh, I found it. Standing in the middle of the wagon, in the pale light from the windows, she looked like a withered tree in a cornfield. She pointed her arm toward the window, screaming, Look! Look at it! Fire! A terrible fire! Mercy! Oh, that fire! Some of the men pressed up against the bars. There was nothing there, only darkness. Only darkness. The shock of this terrible awakening stayed with us for a long time. We trembled from it. With every groan of the wheels on the rail, we felt that an abyss was about to open beneath our bodies. Powerless to still our own anguish, we tried to console ourselves. She's mad, poor soul. Someone had put a damp cloth on her brow to calm her, but still her screams went on. Fire! Fire! Her little boy was crying, hanging onto her shirt, trying to take hold of her hands. It's all right, mummy. There's nothing there. Sit down. This shook me even more than the mother's screams had done. Some woman tried to call. Some woman. Some women tried to calm her. You'll find your husband and your sons again in a few days. She continued to scream, breathless, her voice broken by sobs. Jews, listen to me. I can see fire. There are huge flames. It is a furnace. The fire rises. It was as though she were possessed by an evil spirit, which spoke from the depths of her being. We tried to explain it away more to calm ourselves and to recover our own breath than to comfort her. She must be very thirsty, poor thing. That's why she keeps talking about fire devouring her. But it was in vain. Our terror was about to burst the sides of the train. Our nerves were at a breaking point. Our flesh was creeping. It was as though madness was taking possession of us all. We could stand it no longer. Some of the young men forced her to sit down. Oh, 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 you like interruptions. Well, this is a different kind of interruption. This is a pre-recorded interruption to remind you that you wouldn't be hearing this interruption if you were actually pony up, support our work here at TRS, and buy a subscription to the show. It's only $10 a month, uh, unless you're using, like, e-checks, but there's some extra fees. The e-checks don't use those. Point is, we need your support. You can't use credit cards anymore. It's kind of a pain in the balls, but we still need you to help us out. If you enjoy the content, uh, these silly commercials will go away. We won't bother you anymore. If you just do it, so go to the right stuff up here slash paywall. Uh, make an order. You can use e-checks. You can mail in the money, or you can use a bunch of different cryptocurrencies, all which suck and are annoying, but we'll figure it out. Or you can go to my Odyssey channel, Uncle Spend's other tone stream, and you can uh, give me a donation there and send me a screenshot of the transaction. We'll get you figured out. So, yeah. I guess any second now we'll go back to the show. I don't know when because I don't want these to be quick and predictable so that you can't just skip through them to make them go away. So this one's going to go extra long. But yeah, you need a subscription. You need a subscription. Down, tied her up, and put a gag in her mouth. Silence again. <laughs> the little boy sat down by his mother's crying. I had begun to breathe normally again. We could hear the wheels churning. Out that monotonous rhythm of a train traveling through the night. We could begin to doze, to rest, to dream. An hour or two went by like this. Then another scream took our breath away. The woman had broken loose from her bonds and was crying out more loudly than ever. Look at the fire! Flames! Flames! Everywhere! Young, once more, the young men tied her up and gagged her. They even struck her. People encouraged them. Make her be quiet. She's mad. Shut her up. She's not the only one. 
She can keep her mouth shut. They struck her several times on the head, blows that might have killed her. Her little boy clung to her. He did not cry out. He did not say a word. He was not even weeping now. An endless night toward dawn. Madam Schachter called down, calmed down. Crouched in her corner, her bewildered gaze scouring the emptiness, she could no longer see us. She stayed like that all through the day, dumb, absent, isolated among us. As soon as night fell, she began to scream. There's fire over there. There's a fire over there. She would point at a spot in space, always the same one. They were tired of hitting her. The heat, the thirst, the pestilential stench, the suffocating lack of air. These were as nothing compared with the screams which tore us to shreds. A few days more and we should all have started to scream too. But we had reached the station. Those who were next to the windows told us its name. Auschwitz. No one had ever heard that name. The train did not start up again. The afternoon passed slowly. Then the wagon doors slid open. Two men were allowed to get down to fetch water. When they came back, they told us that in exchange for a gold watch, they had discovered that this was the last stop. We would be getting out here. There was a labor camp. Conditions were good. Families would not be split up. Only the young people would go to work in the factories. The old men and the invalids would be kept occupied in the fields. The barometer of confident soared. (coughs) Here was a sudden release from the terrors of the previous nights. We gave thanks to God. <clears throat> Madam Schachter stayed in her corner, wilted, dumb, indifferent to the general confidence. Her little boy stroked her hand. Why don't you take a rest? As dusk fell, darkness okay. gathered inside <laughs> the wagon. We started to <laughs> eat our last provisions. At 10 in the evening, everyone was looking for a convenient position in which to sleep for a while. And soon we were all asleep. Suddenly, the fire, the furnace, look over there. Waking with a start, we rushed to the window yet again. We had believed her, even if only for a moment. But there was nothing outside save the darkness of night. With sh- Did he just like do a word search and like, whichever word I use the most is what I'm going to call the book. With shame yeah. in our souls, we went back to our places, gnawed by fear in spite of ourselves. As she continued to scream, they began to hit her again. And it was with the greatest difficulty that they silenced her. One man in charge of our wagon called a German officer who was walking about on the platform and asked him if Madame Schachter could be taken to the hospital car. You must be patient, the German replied. She'll be taken there soon. (laughs) Toward eleven o'clock, the train began to move. We pressed against the windows. The convoy was moving slowly. A quarter of an hour later, it slowed down again. Through the windows, we could see barbed wire. We We realized this must be the camp. We had forgotten the existence of Madame Schachter. Suddenly, we heard terrible screams. Jews, look through the window! Flames, look! And as the train stopped, we saw this time that flames were gushing out of a tall chimney into the black sky. (laughs) (laughs) Madame Schachter was silent herself. Once more, she'd become dumb, indifferent, absent, and had gone back to her corner. It sounds like the the cattle car was really roomy. They had all this space to, like, arrange Mm -hmm. sleeping and different corners sounds like they, they slid the doors up at one and, point it sounds it, it sounds like auschwitz it, it sounds like auschwitz had a creosote problem i hope they fixed the chimney it's terrible yeah, right, right. you have flames flying out big trouble we looked at the flames in the darkness there was an abominable odor in the air suddenly our doors opened some odd-looking characters dressed in striped shirts and black trousers leapt into the wagon they held electric torches and truncheons they began to strike out to right and left shouting everybody get out everybody out of the wagon quickly 
We jumped out. I threw a last glance toward Madame Schachter. Her little boy was holding her hand. In front of us, flames. In the air, that smell of burning flesh. It must have been about midnight. We had arrived at Birkenau. Reception center for Auschwitz. For me, that's the end of the chapter. I don't know if you want me to keep going. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the end. Of, that's the end of the story, basically. So there, there's yeah. some, there's there's some phrases in here. I think they're pretty good. I, I've seen a few of them. I think in 40k novels. So I do like withered tree in a cornfield. Not bad. That's good. That's good. That why would pestilential stench hey, Tone, that really evokes horror? Hey, Tone, why would you that's plant a, a tree in the middle of a cornfield? Are you supposed to have a tree in the middle of a cornfield? I mean, if you have a tree, you just don't have a cornfield anymore, right? And don't the, don't the, doesn't but, the root system kind of rob the corn of? Am I crazy? I don't know. Don't ever yeah, no, there's a lot of it's, it's a good Halloween visual. I'm thinking of like a, a withered, gnarled tree yeah. with like the rows and rows of, of spooky corn around it. Yeah. I All also right. like the um, typically the the rule of three applies. Like something happens three times. Like this is a okay. very old yeah. motif in almost every, yep. almost throughout all human right. literature. Three times she yells fire and they silence her only for her to be proven right in the end. Yeah. That they are, in fact, going to a fire. And uh, you know that something is going on. Right. And every time they silence her and she does it again, you know, it builds attention. So this this prose is, is it's almost as purple as like H.P. Lovecraft or something. Yeah, no, it's, it is. It is. The idea that this is a no oh, yeah. by fear. I mean. That's what I'm saying. We have to just, we have to just, we have to just appreciate this as as children's spooky literature, not not as this. That's what this is. I really just enjoy. Like, this goes I, with goosebumps. I really enjoy the sense that in these hermetically sealed cattle cars, where everyone was suffering, they had all this room for all these activities. Yeah. They had room to like bound her, gag her, put him in the corner to go to sleep. I don't know if Ellie Weasel knows what hermetically sealed means. I think he just says it. I guess because so. they couldn't it's have lived possible. three days. A, a number of people couldn't have lived three days in a hermetically sealed space. I mean, that the stories that I'm the stories I'm familiar with with the cattle cars <coughs> was that they're packed together so tight they could only stand. <coughs> and if somebody, well, the th- other thing is, and if somebody fainted, everyone standing around them, like the, their bodies standing there, would hold. Yeah, the they were still standing, per- they and people would die on their feet, and just like they they would be standing next to dead bodies on, on the whole trip. And to, I, that was I know best. we're not supposed to do criticism, but hermetically sealed, yet they were yelling out the windows at the German soldier on right. the platform. I mean, yeah. come on. Like, come, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, that's fine. That's fine. We can let that go. Because as we said, this isn't, this is not, this is children's, uh, this is spooky children's literature. This is Goosebumps by Ellie Weasel. Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Should we rename Goosebumps? Because um, <laughs> that's basically all that it is. It's just a Goosebumps story. So I don't know. That one's pretty good, I think. That for Halloween, that's pretty good. Yeah, the pestilential stench, some of the the description of decay and death, and and the spooky that's imagery. A, a good start. It's a good start. Of the of the cornfield, the idea of the premonition, the one person sees it and everyone else puts it. You know, that's a very that's a common theme in a lot of ghost stories or spooky stories. Is there's one person that sees what's going to happen, and they're the the common people don't pay any attention, and in the end, that person is proven right, and their their premonitions of doom are proven correct, mm. etc. So, Madame Schachter is sort of like a, a fortune teller type character. Like I picture her maybe in like dressed like in gypsy robes or something like that. You know, I want to continue that theme before we get yeah. into sci-fi horror. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This one is called, or at least I've I've decided to title it, Bloodbath. 
Blood bath. Mini. So blood from blood bath. butt to blood bath. Next year we do butt bath. Blood is my thing. Where basically someone has year. It's going to be a recurring theme. Someone's taking a bath in a, in, a, in a tub full of butts, like they've been they've been they've been amp- amputated butt cheeks, and you just you someone's just like I mean that's, that's, that's you, can't, you, can't you can't leave that off the table. You can't take that off the table. Yeah, again, remember, remember, this is the on the ta- the spooky everything on the table Holocaust special, right? Now. I mean, they I mean, are leaving these things. On I was the table. I was and I was putting this on them, but you can't leave it off the table for them to make up a story about. A butt, right. a butt cheek no, bath. No, they, they, they might, in, they in might have that somewhere. Yes, somebody might have written possible. that down somewhere. We might have I guarantee you there's a Holocaust story about that. About butt cheeks. And you're just like yeah. bathing them. I mean, hell, I mean, hell, we're, right, to, like, we're, the, hol- in, yes. the real Holocaust we're living through now, like there's there's disembodied tits everywhere from top surgeries. Someone could be bathing in those. I mean, I'm oh sure God, I'm sure some, I'm sure that's somewhere there's a Jew doing that. Like, what do you think all this transgenderism, transgenderism bullshit is for? You could have buckets of tits. Oh, that's a terrible image. It's well, there was a there was a Reddit post about a girl saying like she wished she okay. could show like every conservative, like the picture of her of her of of like her just two tits like that have been lopped off just like on the operating or on the table wherever they put them aside, like oh, God. I mean it may it could have been fake but who cares let's just go with the sentiment that sentiment is real, like I yeah. I, I, I cut my tits. I mean such a thing has to exist logically if people are having their breasts yes. amputated, those breasts are. Put somewhere before, assumingly they're disposed of. Oh, I'm gonna call right. that. I'm gonna so call that. To... I'm gonna call that last segment through the fire and the flames. Okay, that's good. You play guitar hero. You know what I'm sorry. What's your story called, Alex McNabb? Mine is this called Bloodbath. Bloodbath. Blood okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up Mike's story with this one because it's got the same kind of prose. Okay. Where is this from? Uh, fuck some some Jew on the internet. <laughs> Probably like claims online or. or or whatever the fuck. One of these one of these sites that puts This is pretty annoying, huh? All this can go away. You bought a paywall. Paywall. Together lists of these various holo- like Holocaust stories and then uses it to try to grift off of various governments and get donations and shit. <laughs> so we sh- should we call this episode Tales from the Likud? <laughs> yes. Tales from the Grift. Tales from the Likud. It doesn't rhyme with hood. Oh, I got you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, there goes That's one good. of the trains now. Oh, is it hermetically sealed? Cattle. It can't be if you can hear it. It's it's hermetically sealed and it's pulling cattle it's perfect. cars full it's, of Jews. Yeah, it's perfect mood setting. Uh, it is. That's there, why yeah. I didn't mute this time. I wanted to hear the sound <laughs> of the Jew train go All by. All right. The flames. Okay, here we go. Bloodbath. Bloodbath. Many people have already gathered. Some have arrived before us. But no one here says, good morning. And if someone by mistake greets others, then there is no response. Our hearts have contracted, and our eyes are directed toward that large overgrowth space in the shape of a four-sided bowl. A vessel on the bottom of which there are no traces of undrunk wine, but rather of blood, which was discolored by the rain and snow. Visible lying there at the bottom is a rumpled and darkened piece of white cloth. It was once a shirt. There are lying around bunches of hair and an old peaked cap, clumps of torn out beards, together with dried skin. All of this looked more terrible than death. Almost in the very middle, in the center, there stands a soft, worn out boot that had fallen from a foot at that very last, unimaginable moment. A boot with a foot in it. That moment that we, you and I, did not live through. And for that reason, none of our words can describe what this moment was like. A boot 
from which a foot that had stumbled had parted with at that very moment when its body parted with life, that pit of death and terrible screams. No one touches the boot. Not one moves it from its place, as is the case with a fragment of a skull at the other end of the pit. A piece of balm, bare on one side, covered with withered skin and hair on the other. It grimaces wildly at the sky as if in a living reproach. That fragment of a blessed human body, that emissary of Bobby Yar, witness of a whole tortured community, of hundreds of thousands of victims. He is accusing and demanding responsibility, not allowing any compromise and not expecting mercy. Otherwise, with all of his terrible grin, he will seize your heart. Indeed, yours, even though you are his kin, even though you are of his flesh and blood of his blood. Bloodbath. I want to remind everybody that these are supposed eyewitness accounts. These are what victims wrote down. All of this actually happened. Yes. (laughs) They actually wrote it down. That's generally the theme. Uh, where is I have um, most of the other stuff I have is is less uh, purple than this. A lot of it is more like it's it's from the I am International Military Tribunal documents. Yet some of it is more purple than you would expect, despite it being from a from trial. Yeah, documents. I I wanted to keep with the novelization theme. That's why I went with that as, yeah. as the follow up. And then I think we're going to move into stuff that's a little more uh, dry. Maybe yeah, this stuff is a little bit more dry, but it's still it's still got some interesting stuff. So um, so I've got stuff about the bone, the bone grinding machines. Oh, uh, does Sven have any stories? I can tell you stories. I've also, I've, I've also got a, a famous Holocaust novelist. That I'm going to do one of her pieces, uh, Eva Moses Core. Oh, ooh, this I'm looking forward to, but. Uh, I mean, I could do some stuff on the bone grinding list, Sven. He said he didn't have anything. No, I have so. something. I have something here. I just, I need to, I need to like, okay, focus it. Well, I've got. I've there's got, a lot. I've there's a lot a of, bit of a, a. There's a lot of like extra info that we don't really need to focus on in this. Uh, in this I've got thing. some some documents here on. Uh, uh, excuse me, on bone grinding here. Yeah. So this is from the yep. International Military Tribunals. Um, okay, so it's the bone grinder. So this is about grinding the bones of millions of people. In portable grown bone grinding machines, uh, it became obvious that okay. So it says the system prevailed in the construction of the gas chambers ah. and mass production of the round tins containing the poisonous substance Cyclone A or Cyclone B. The ovens of the crematories are built on the same typical lines, and one was the plan extending over all the camps of destruction. There was uniformity in the construction of the evil-smelling death machines with the Germans referred to as Gaswagen, but which our people called the soul destroyers. This is actually pretty good. This is actually pretty good. This is better than I was expecting. Soul destroyer. Soul soul destroyer. Soul grinder. Yeah, soul grinder. That's good. George Soros grinder. (laughs) These are all like great metal songs. And there was the same technical elaboration in the construction of mobile mills for grinding human bones. All this indicates one soul and evil will uniting all the individual assassins and executioners. It became obvious that German 
thermotechnicians and chemists, architects, toxicologists, mechanics, and physicians were engaged in this rationalization of mass murder on instructions received from Hitler's government and from the supreme command of the German armed forces. It was also evident that the death factories brought into existence an entire series of auxiliary industries. But the unity of this will to evil was not only apparent there, where a special technique had been evolved to serve the purpose of very evil murder. The unity of this will to evil was also apparent from the similarity of the methods employed by the murderers, from the uniformity of the type of murder technique evolved, as well as from the fact that in cases where no special technique was employed, use was made of ordinary ordinary weapons of the German armed forces. (laughs) From the evidence which I shall submit later on, you will see that sites where Germans buried their victims were opened up by Soviet legal doctors in the north and south of the country. These sites were separated from each other by thousands of kilometers. It's quite evident that the crimes were perpetrated by perfectly different people, but the methods employed were absolutely identical. The wounds were invariably inflicted on the same parts of the body, and identical too were the preparations for camouflaging the gigantic graves as anti-tank ditches and trenches. Everywhere, the unarmed and defenseless people on their arrival at the execution ground were ordered to practically the same terms. <coughs> to undress and lie face downwards in previously prepared pits. As soon as the first batch was shot, <coughs> whether in the swamps of Belarusia or the foothills of the Caucasus, the row was covered with quicklime, and the second batch of unarmed and defenseless people a people about to die were again ordered by the murderers to undress and lie down in the corrosive blood-soaked mass which covered the first batch of victims. So that is IMT 7, page 439. I got more, but I'm going to need to take a break here. Uh, if, if you want to go for a second. I have, I, uh, I have information on like how they preserve artifacts from the uh, death camps. Mm-hmm. At the, uh, what is this? I'm, that sounds just, kind of interesting. I'm trying to get to the, uh, like the nitty-gritty. This is from the Jewish Insider. Okay, let's put this right here. Inside the hidden facility, safeguarding America's largest collection of Holocaust artifacts. Oh, this sounds interesting. The U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum state-of-the-art Chappelle Center, (laughs) or perhaps Chapel. (laughs) It's not spelled like Dave Chappelle. Houses millions of items documenting Nazi atrocities. So uh, there's some some cool stuff in here. Uh, If I scroll to the bottom. Uh, Because the Chappell Center staff are still working remotely. The museum has largely stopped shipments during the pandemic. One object that arrived recently is a large tabletop radio that was discovered in an attic in Hungary. Like Jews sat around and listened to talk show serials while they were hiding from the Nazis. The radio belonged to Emil Weismeyer, a wartime owner of the printing press that printed the passports that Swedish businessman Raoul Wallenberg then gave to tens of thousands of Hungarian Jews, ultimately saving many lives. Weismeyer used the radio to illicitly listen to news reports from the BBC. So there's the radio. Mm. There's the spooky haunted radio. When we get something like this, uh, we assume a legal and moral obligation to house it, to care for it and ensure its longevity as much as we can, the director Bloomfield said. Everything is in some state of deterioration. The uh, mus- This is good right here. So we're going to get into some shoes stuff here. Get into some shoes Inside so the millions of shoes in this place. That's why. Well, that's it's what millions of artifacts are. Part of I'm getting there. Inside the conservation lab, boiling pointed out as a case filled with 
the shoes of Jewish prisoners who had been murdered at the death camp Maidanik. My neck. D- um, isn't Maidanik? That's not a death camp. Isn't the Maidanik the one that everybody camp. agrees was not a death camp? When was this written? This no. Uh, this is- there's no gas chamber. At the- well, here's the thing. They, there's like oh, they Maidanik, may have just been murdered. Like, like there's a gas chamber, but they say it was like only used once. And then, um, while they say it wasn't like an execution gas chamber camp, they still say there was a gas chamber there that was only used once. And the funny thing is there are delousing chambers in Maidanik that have the Prussian blue all over them. Again, not the same as the gas chambers. But then um, there's the claim of what they call like the Harvest Harvest Festival, which is where they supposedly shot 40,000 Jews in a day uh, and buried them all. All and right. again, the story is something like that. Um, the Jews were basically vo- like voluntarily lying down in the grave to be shot. At, right, one after, and again, it's one after another. So it's it's never like they line the people up with force, like forcefully line them up and then execute. No, they them, just comply. They it's just, that they yeah. that they one at a time mm. are going and standing over the grave where the first the last person was shot, voluntarily lying down and getting shot, and they're doing this like all day. And this is called Operation Harvest Festival. Um, which is again sort of kind of, sounds kind of Halloweeny, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Because yeah. they have a lot of pumpkins. But let me go with this. So inside the conversation yeah. lab, okay. Uh, so we've the a case filled with shoes of Jewish prisoners who have been murdered at the death camp Maidanik, among the museum's best known and most haunting artifacts. Just imagine the stories when you look at those heels or that little ballet slipper. She observed. Up close, and you'd see it's heavy. Oh uh, God, that's see. clearly some kind of there's a emotional manipulation. Here. Up close, away from the huge pile of shoes that sits behind the display case at the museum in D.C., it was easy to see how each shoe had decayed. Every few months, the shoes that are on display must be rotated out to undergo routine <laughs> conservation work. The museum's collection includes five thousand shoes on loan from the Polish government. And they have to constantly rotate them out and do like shoe maintenance. <laughs> they pile of shoes. A huge industrial white room serves as a secure storage for thousands of objects sorted by material, textile, ceramic, metal, and more. Every detail was planned and approved by conservation experts. In the event of a fire, a special, a special sprinkler system would provide just enough water to extinguish the blaze without causing too much damage. They're obsessed with this. It's like we, we release just as mu- just enough gas. To kill everybody in the room, but not affect anybody oh, yeah, they, after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, enough water yeah. to, to put out the fire, but not to harm them. Like, shut the fuck up. You're right about that. <laughs> That's a funny thing. They seem to think there's some sort of precision in these it's matters like, where you have just enough to do this, but not this. <laughs> like, they, they, there's stories of the Holocaust that are like this as well, where it's like, look, any amount of water is going to damage old shoes. If we can period. do this, they can like, do that. The cases, yeah, are made, like, the cases are made out of material. That does not cause any chemical interaction with the object, and they are raised off the ground so that in case of a flood, water will not seep into them and damage the contents. Each indiv- individual case is set to a different temperature with custom humidity levels and lighting. The cases are padlocked along with drawers and compartments inside. One drawer featured exquisitely preserved stars that Jews had sewn onto their coats with the familiar German Jude, as well as the French, uh, what does it say, Queef, and the Dutch Jude. Juif. 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 Uh, another house another housed a dedicated oh, I'm sorry. Dedicated shooting street. Another housed a delicate wedding dress made from a parachute that was worn by dozens of women in a wave of weddings at a displaced person's camp after the war. I just don't believe any of this. 
I mean, I believe it's, I don't believe that those shoes belong to dead people. I don't believe They're that just they, old fucking shoes. I don't believe that they are that they have individual like temperature and humidity controlled oh, cases. I'm to believe that. I'm I don't believe that. I'm looking at I'm looking shit. at his picture. I haven't showed you it, but it's just like show. Oh, you think they're just making that up? I think they're just, just making like, it up so it seems like it's like super fucking precision and but that's probably so that, to justify budgets. That's too. what I was just gonna say because this part of this thing is. About how the federal government funds this thing. It's like this is just for funding. Just bullshitting with that. They're just putting them in boxes and like yeah. Because like, look at this. Like so here. Yeah. So here's this carriage from a funeral home. These are just all cases on the on these shelves back. They're just cardboard boxes. Yeah, they're just in boxes. Just they're just they're not they're not they're not individually. They're not stored in any. They're not hermetically yeah, you're right, sealed. You're right. I'm, yeah, this is just to justify a fucking budget. Yeah. So it's here's fucking... our hearse from the Jewish funeral home in Eastern Europe, the second largest object in the museum's collection. But what does that have to do with the fucking Holocaust? Well, it's just, Jews it's died. Just a, it's just because Jews died. They died, and, and therefore this is a literal Jewish funeral home's casket carrying carriage unlike and this means holocaust somehow unlike israel's yad vashem which limits its collection to items related to jewish victims of the holocaust the u.s holocaust memorial museum has a broader approach to collecting we like to say they have the biggest but we have the most comprehensive in terms of its diversity well, uh, so you, you have things like a hearse from a jewish funeral home yeah. that has absolutely nothing to do with uh the Holocaust, yet it evokes an idea of Jewish people dying. So you just have it. The U.S. Museum's scope includes anything that can tell the whole story of the Holocaust from all different perspectives, Bloomfield said. The museum is currently focused on collecting in Europe, looking for things that can explain why Germans either found Nazism appealing or were able to rationalize why they were going along with it, even if they didn't vote for the Nazi okay. party or didn't believe okay. it's anti-Semitic right. ideology. It's like, can you... Can you because they weren't actually mass murdering jews and there was no yeah. evidence of it right this is the problem and they'll never admit that to you no so they they do all this phony let's analyze why are the germans so bad and then from the by extension they want all of us to think why why are we actually so bad why would we rationalize these things the problem is oh you, the problem is though there's no fucking evidence of the holocaust that's why people didn't think it was happening because there isn't evidence of it. What's amazing is despite all this storytelling of the Holocaust, they don't ever actually tell you the story. They don't ever actually tell you what supposedly happened because it doesn't make any sense. And it's impossible to make it make sense. So, so here, they just they just tell you. Yeah, here's some uh, here's some concentration camp officer like slice of life content they have right here. <laughs> A little slice okay. of life. Uh Let's There's see. a lot of slice uh, of life content. The museum, in the, the museum received a donation that it called the Sobibor Perpetrator Collection, which sounds like a line of like fashion. It's like Sobibor's Perpetrator Collection. It's like slacks yeah. and it's like it's like your your mass murderers on the table like outfits, you know, like that's what you yeah. would wear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, a photo album created by the camp's deputy commander Johann Niemann showed photos of his life at the time. I wonder if he had an onion tied to his belt. But they weren't photos of kill- but they weren't photos of killings. <laughs> These are pictures of the guards and and the SS men's lives in the camp, and when they would go on outings. This is when this was an outing they took with their wives and girlfriends to Berlin from Sobibor. Look at them partying. Let's see if we can get that a new tab. Can we make that large. Yeah, they love this idea of pictures of Nazi officers 
just like smiling how, as like, look at these, yeah. look, look at these, look at these people we've blood libeled not committing mass murder right now. They're just hanging out, like right? Normal they're they're, just, they're not doing anything particular. What is those Nazis with their girlfriend? Nazis why aren't these people? Why aren't these people fitting our, our our violent caricature of them? Like, how dare they just like, right. go on like, an outing to is, Berlin? Yeah. They want so to this know. is part of the collection of like how how Nazis were so hey, evil that they could. How do this. dare these Germans going an outing to Berlin that doesn't include like bestiality and like underage fucking whorehouses and shit? Right. Like we used yeah. to do to Berlin, fucking Jews. Let me see if I can uh, shrink this back down to normal. Go back to the article. Uh, Neiman was killed in the Sobibor uprising of 1943, and recently historians wondered if he had citation needed. Yeah. Wondered if he had living relatives who kept any documentation of his time at the camp. Researchers learned that Neiman's grandson was raised by his mother and grandmother in the same house where Neiman had lived. The grandson has an intellectual disability, which I mentioned for this reason. If he had been alive at a different time with his grandfather, his grandfather would have probably have sent him to his death or forced sterilized him. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, Jew. In the current timeline, in the current iteration of the United States of America, a man forcibly sterilizing his son, you would call a hero. A hero for trans rights. A hero for equality and equity. And he would, you would call him a right. forward thinker. Like, you literally run a campaign of castrating males all across this country in the it, name of trans know, rights the and inclusion. One of the funniest things, I was reading up on Eva Moses' core, because I was trying to get material, mm. and she was alleging that Mingala and these other Nazis... Uh, medical doctors giving <clears throat> boys injections trying to turn them into girls and vice versa it's okay doctor rumor i'm like is it mangala or rumor which which doctor? so you have that you have that story of hers it was it was just a, an aside that she mentioned in one of her stories i can find it but i mean, I, I, I was looking for a nice long stretch that i could use as a sort of a an actual so story. we're saying that like yeah. johan neiman would be progressive enough to castrate his son but would be would he be right. Progressive right. enough to date him? Because if he, it's Was not good. Like, it, like if, you, like if you won't, if you won't, if you won't date your transgendered son, you're still a transphobe. No. You can never win in this fight. You never, you never yes. beat this shit test. Yes. So speaking of slice of life, I mean, do we want to, we want to do? Uh, do you got, we one, got more, one more slice of life? One here. more short thing before we take a break. I would say we're at sure. an hour and, and this 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 will be referenced by another another one. Later oh, on. go! So, we'll have a callback. We're gonna have a setup. We're gonna have a callback, like a real old okay, time so radio. Okay, so here we have. Uh, this is from IMT seven, page four fifty one. Uh, the internees of this camp were exterminated for no reason at all, often as a result of a bet. A woman named Kirshner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just leaving everything on the table, uh, right? On the betting table. A woman named Kirshner informed the investigating commission that a Gestapo commissar. Okay, so we're mixing up our, our, our okay, yeah. agencies. Was, Gestapo commissar. It's like a crossover. Wrecking, it's like a crossover comic. Like we got the wrong yeah, like villain. Listen to this. This one is great. Okay, this one. This one is amazing. Uh, a woman witness Kirshner informed the investigating commission that a Gestapo commissar Webke or Vepke bet the other camp executioners that he could cut a boy in half with one stroke of the axe. They did not believe him. So he caught a 10-year-old boy on the road, made him kneel down, told him to hide his face in the folded palms of his hand, in it, of his hands, made one oh, test yeah. stroke, placed the child's head in a more convenient position, and with one single stroke cut the boy in half. Like long ways? Like Hitler, 
I, 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 struck I, the I axe through the spoon skull down through the entire. It doesn't say, but it does say the Hitlerites heartily congratulated Vepke, shaking him warmly by the hand. What kind of axe are we talking about here? Yeah, I'm kind of curious. I am curious if it's where was, lengthwise or Where was this published? This what? is in International Military Tribunal 7, so this was 451. So this, this is, is a tribunal. tribunal. They, somebody this got, literally – So somebody got convicted. Somebody got convicted for this? Somebody was, somebody was punished as perpetrating this axe murder? I don't know if they actually got Webke or Webke, I guess. It's not really so much term. an axe murder as an axe vivisection. Right, but – the point is that this is included in documents in which they work people on the basis of which people were convicted. I don't think they ever got this guy because again, this is just this is just a story. But this was not this was not um, like thrown out of whatever the tribunal is like. That's bullshit. Right. This woman witness Kirshner informed the commission of it, and they included it in their document. This is why people don't understand. This is why people don't want to get don't into like you. Holocaust denial. It's like they don't right. understand. Like this is the kind of shit that's in there. Like if you believe that happened, you're like an idiot. And you generally, yes, yes. you show this to somebody. Like now, do you believe that that actually that somebody actually did that? Do you believe that somebody split a boy in half the long ways with an axe? Do you believe that and even like everybody tried? like loved it and was like, oh, that's great. Good do you job. think you really believe that like a this blood, is a bet? There's like, a bet. The Germans bet that the, a German bet that he could do this, and then he did it. Oh, but also another thing happened here. This one's dogs. also really short, one sentence long. In 1943, for Hitler's birthday, his 54th, the commandant of the Yanov camp, Obersturmfuhrer Wilhaus, picked out 54 prisoners and had them shot himself, shot them himself for the Fuhrer's 54th birthday. Yeah, like a stendo mag or a drum? Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. And then finally, this is the final one from this this little page of of little vignettes, which will be referenced later on. Mm. A special hospital for prisoners was organized in the camp, German hangman. Brambauer and Berman checked up the patients on the first and the 15th day of each month, and they discovered that among the patients there were some who had been in the hospital for over 14 days. They shot them on the spot. Six or seven people were killed during each investigation. The Germans executed their tortures, ill treatments, and shooting to the accompaniment of music. For this purpose, they created a special orchestra selected from among the prisoners. They forced... Professor Strix and the famous conductor oh, Munz to conduct this orchestra. They requested the composers to write a special tune to be called the Tango of Death. Isn't that, isn't shortly that convenient? Before dissolving, shortly before dissolving the camp, the Germans shot every member of the orchestra. How, how convenient. We're trying to explain away why the, we had an orchestra at the camp. Like, yeah, oh, and so, so they then can, it says, so they can later play on, <laughs> later says this, this is later on, I'll present to the tribunal a photo document photographs of this orchestra of death and here it is i mean you can't really see it but here's just a picture it's just people playing instruments because being because camp life is people boring playing instruments it's like right? oh you're That's musicians this is. would this right. would help this would help ease our like boring... and there's some looks like there's some nazi officers standing there too or one at least walking by yeah so so where are the dead bodies? Where, so where they're the, playing where, the tango of death notice in the photograph not pictured <laughs> wait what mike was gonna say what did we all miss that is that because this is a free fan edition Jewish prisoners being shot by the officers while the orchestra plays. Yes, no, we have no, no evidence of that. It's, it's so strange. I mean, they're, we can't... they're always lacking that kind of evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have the they have pictures of the. I was looking for medical stories, right? And I found I only saw one photo of something alleged to be 
like some kind of abuse. And what it looked like to me was a, a prisoner had probably broken their leg or something. Mm. It was mm. like a surgical scar. Oh, it's I've like, seen that. Oh. It's the woman who shows a scar yeah. on her leg yep. for the for the International Tribunal. Oh, yes. And it's literally just, my leg open and been injecting me with stuff. It's There's just something. a leg with a big old line of stitches. So, like, yep. she just had surgery. Oh, they're trying to make her into Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, that it does. It is somewhat evocative of that because it's kind of gruesome, but it's still like it's that's what you got. Anytime you had surgery in those days, you had that. You had those mm. big black stitches on a big line. I, mean, I guess and I guess that's open, a, you have a huge scar at the end. Yeah, I guess that's got to be on the table, too. I mean, well, she was say? on the operating table. She was if, on the operating table. Stories are to be believed. You'd think they'd be documenting what they're doing a little bit better. Well, more they photos are. Made they're them. writing down the shit they made up. That's the documentation. Well, think about it. It's, what it's they're like, not doing is they don't have any citations. Like, they have, like wait, wait a minute. I'm doing like Frankenstein, like science fiction, horror movie shit to these prisoners. And I'm not taking a single photo. The no. best that they can do is a woman with a surgical scar on her leg. The other thing about it that's so deceptive is that the people that were in that international tribunal, supposedly, these were military people and officers who would have seen wounds and scars and operations before, right? Like yeah. this idea that um, they were shocked by the idea, like the idea that Eisenhower was shocked by a sight of a dead body, even like a rancid, rotting dead body is just ridiculous. The idea that people who had seen war, some of them had seen two wars, but had at least seen one war for years and years. And they were shocked by a woman who had stitches up her leg. I mean, come on now. But it was so shocking. It was done to these prisoners. All right. Well, let's, let's hope uh, how bad it was. Let's cut it off right here. We'll come back and we'll do yeah. more. There's plenty more artifacts in this uh, in this article, too. We have some photo albums. We have a diary. No mention of what's in them, though. I think I'm going to do Two Weeks to Live next. All right, cool. What's I up? got more on the bone grinding machine. Nice. Some pretty so, funny stuff about that, actually. Some funny claims. Excellent. But yeah. All right. Uh, enjoy your spooky hour one. We'll be back with spooky hour two. You are listening to The Daily Show as racist and sexist as they can be. We're gonna offend you, isn't it funny? La 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 la! This is the Merchant Minute. From Fox News, the United Nations General Assembly's first committee voted for Israel to dispose of all nuclear weapons and have any and all nuclear sites under the watch of the International Atomic Energy Agency, the Jerusalem Post reported. The resolution passed overwhelmingly on Friday with a vote of 152 to 5, which is how you know it's one of those non-binding resolutions that no one gives a shit about, with only the United States, Canada, Israel, Micronesia, and Palau voting against it. The European Union and 23 others abstained. Why the fuck are Pacific Islanders voting against this? Do you guys like the Jews? Despite officially being a resolution on the risk of nuclear proliferation in the Middle East, the resolution, submitted by Egypt as it does annually, focused mainly on Israel without mentioning Iran. Yes, because Israel actually has nuclear weapons and has talked about using them to destroy the entire planet if their state ever faces an existential crisis. You know, unlike Iran. That's unfortunate because all those countries who voted on this resolution should ask themselves what is the source of instability in the region. Former Israeli ambassador to the UN, Danny Dannon, told Fox News Digital. It's Israel or Iran? What is the danger and the threat to the region? And I think that they all know that the threat's coming from Iran and not Israel. Name a war in the Middle East in the last 20 years that was started by Iran, rather than the Zionist axis. 
That's what I thought, nigga. They wouldn't even be involved in Syria if not for Western gay ops necessitating that. And from the New York Post, Rich Eisen has weighed in on the Kyrie Irving situation. Whoever the fuck that is, probably some sportsball Jew. Last week, Irving promoted the film Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up, Black America, which has a number of anti-Semitic tropes, including alleging that Jewish people worship Satan. You guys keep calling them tropes, but you never call them lies. On the Rich Eisen Show on Roku, the host played a clip of Irving's contentious back and forth with ESPN's Nick Friedel, in which Irving told him, You're dehumanizing me. Eisen said this was what the Net Star's promotion of the content did to him. Aww. You're dehumanizing me, Kyrie. I'm a Jewish man, Eisen said, descendant of people who died in gas chambers and got incinerated by Nazis. You're a descendant of liars who fucked kids and occasionally would drink their blood if they were Christian. You're dehumanizing me by putting on your platform a book and movie that is filled with anti-Semitic tropes that are designed or eventually lead to the dehumanization of me and my children and my ancestors who died because they were Jewish. So that's what the historical fact of Jews owned the slave ships is to this kike. Okay, so what is whites enslaved millions of Africans? What is your relentless promotion of anti-white narratives in your media? Dehumanization of whites. Mm. Eisen said Irving's promotion of this content normalized offense towards Jewish people. Yeah, it's offensive and it's also really scary because it's normalized by somebody who puts a ball through a hoop and is very famous and generationally rich for it. And you have a platform because of it and it's normalized, Eisen said. Puts a ball through a hoop, huh? Well, you're a Jewish nerd who makes his living talking about those rich niggers who put balls in hoops. My God, these people are so mad. The personal insults and these little digs that they like to throw in. Kyrie Irving does an anti-Semitism after yet another Nets loss. Get fucked, Jews. More like Jews do more damage control after yet another golem turns on them. And from CNN, Benjamin Netanyahu appears to be on course for a bigger victory in Israel's fifth election in less than four years than initial exit polls suggested, all three of the country's main television channels projected Wednesday morning. His Likud party and its natural allies are currently projected to win 65 seats in the 120-seat Knesset, with 86% of the votes counted as of Wednesday afternoon Israel time. A coalition of Netanyahu's Likud, the Jewish Nationalist Religious Zionism slash Jewish Power Bloc, Shas, and the United Torah Judaism would, on paper, be the most right-wing government in Israel's history. And they're looking to get some Jignat synergy with either a Trump or DeSantis in 2024. Current Prime Minister Yair Lapid and his allies appear to be on track to win 50 seats. An Arab alliance called Hadash Ta'al is projected to win five seats and is unlikely to support either Netanyahu or Lapid to lead the country. Voter turnout was 71.3%, the Central Election Committee said. That's the highest since 2015, according to the committee. Higher than any of the four previous elections, 2019 to 2021, which produced stalemates or short-lived governments. Since initial exit polls on Tuesday night, a left-wing party called Maretz appears to have fallen below the 3.25% threshold to win any seats in the Knesset. If the party manages to win enough of the national vote to get seated in Parliament, the final results could change. Final results could take until Thursday to arrive. 
A Netanyahu return to the head of government would spell fundamental shifts to Israeli society. It would include the newly ascendant Jewish Nationalist Religious Zionism slash Jewish Power Alliance, whose leaders include Itamar Ben-Gvir, who looks like a fat kike with Asperger's, once convicted for inciting racism and supporting terrorism. And Netanyahu allies have talked about making changes to the judicial system. That could put an end to Netanyahu's own corruption trial, where he has pleaded not guilty. Netanyahu himself had been one of the main issues not only in Tuesday's election, but in the four that preceded it, with voters and politicians splitting into camps based on whether they wanted the man universally known as Bibi in power or not. And this is bad news for the Palestinians, at least in the near term, but very good news for a world that yearns to be free from Jewish control. Their global order is falling apart, and they're relying more on hard power now out of necessity. We're witnessing the death throes of this Jewish system. Inevitably, Jews and their sick religion will be defeated for all time. The only question is whether we will be the ones to defeat them. For the right stuff.biz, I'm Marakiu, and this has been the Merchant Minute. There we go.